This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got a special guest on the podcast for you, and he is an alum of this podcast. He is the Christian author, counselor, and lecturer, and that is John Eldridge. So if you're not familiar with John Eldridge, where have you been? What have you been doing? You haven't been listening to this podcast. He is a New York Times bestselling author of a large number of books, and he's also got workbooks and group studies and stuff like that. But his newest bestseller is called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad, which is very applicable for what happened in 2020 and certainly what's carried over into 2021. But he has written the seminal men's ministry book, and I've said that over and over, and that is Wild at Heart. It's on our 100 books every modern Christian man should read list. It's in my personal top 10 list, so that's a book that you certainly have to read. He's also authored some other books that we love here and that you guys have read and loved. That's Beautiful Outlaw, Waking the Dead, Fathered by God, Epic, and he has many, many others. And he was on our podcast on episode 141. So if you want to go check that out, you certainly should. Because in episode 141, we spent a lot of time talking about the books right? We dug into a bunch of his different books and I asked him very specific questions. I read quotes from those books and kind of went from there. That's not what this interview was. That interview was really good and you guys really enjoyed it. This was something else entirely. I wanted to kind of go into some other areas, some larger macro issues, culturally, spiritually, in, in terms of manhood. And guys, this this was a great conversation. This was one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. And he actually turned the tables on me at one point. And he started asking me questions. And so you should certainly stick around and listen for that. And then also at the very, very end, I asked him about a very poignant and very awesome quote from Jordan Peterson. And you will not want to miss his feedback on that. And guys, I'm not going to keep him from you any longer. Without further ado... Let's get into it. John Eldridge, welcome back to Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Good to see you again, Kyle. We are obviously very happy to have you back on because our our guys freaked out the first time we had you on. It's like, oh my gosh, how'd you make that happen? They really, really enjoyed the interview. But this interview today is going to be a little bit different. Last time we went through a lot of your books and we kind of dug in deep on some of the books that are fan favorites of the people of this podcast. We're going to do some of that today, but then we're going to get into some other deeper issues. So uh, I'm sure you're going to be okay with that. But the very first thing is the big news, which is you all have decided to relaunch Wild at Heart. Okay. And so you've got a new cover for the book. The book has been updated and revised and expanded. You talked about that a little bit the last time that we had our podcast. Then you also launched the, the wild at heart experience, right? On your website, a six session video series with a study guide to go along with it, kind of the whole nine, but I don't want to take any of your steam here. So what's different about this offering and how's it going to be beneficial to guys like are listening to this? Yeah, man, we, we saw guys getting pretty pounded through 2020 and into 2021. You know, we talked about this before, the anxiety, the depression, you know, the hopelessness, working from home and your kitchen table on Zoom. I mean, just all the crazy, right? And we really wanted to make an offering to guys. So we filmed this beautiful six-part film series. I mean, it's really gorgeous. And we got it done during the pandemic. We were able to 
to do it last uh, August, which was killer. There was this window that we could get a film crew out and get into the woods and get these different, you know, make it really gorgeous. Mountain biking, bow hunting, you know, make it worth watching. And, and then we decided, you know what, we're just going to give it away. Like put it online, make it free for guys. So what it is, it's a, it's a six-week journey you can do with us. You get on WalletHeart.org, sign up for it for free. And each week we, we deliver into your inbox one of the sessions, but we also give some scriptures, a reading that goes with it, some questions for reflection, and then a special audio from me each week that says, okay, you know, we're here in week two. This is about the poser. Let's be honest, you know. So it's a journey. It, it, it's really meant to be more wholeheartedness for guys. And we just thought, we thought the time was right, just given how tough the world has been on everybody, particularly men, like, let's make an offering. Let's give something mm. free away to guys that'll bring some strength. Well, I certainly think the timing is right, but I do kind of have to ask the the pragmatic business question side of it, which is just here recently, we we announced that we're expanding things considerably and we're going to be, you know, selling some things and, and trying to create some things that are of value to people. This is obviously of tremendous value. And if you read any, you know, business 101 or marketing book or something like that, it's like, you know, put a price tag on it because your time is worth something and all this. So kind of walk me through just the business side of it. Like why create something that is so gorgeous? I watch these videos. They're they're absolutely fantastic. Why put it out there for free? <laughs> That's what my publisher is asking. Okay. All right. uh, <laughs> At least it's not crazy. <laughs> you know, um, we don't, we wanted no barrier to entry. We wanted just no hurdle, nothing, no other agenda in it. I believe, I believe that you're worth your time, Kyle. I believe that there's value in, in, in what we do. And and so, you know, my books are for sale on Amazon and that sort of thing. But this particular moment and this particular offering, we just said, you know what, let's give a gift to guys. And and it's really true. Like, it's better to give than to receive. It's just a joy to put it out there for stinking free. I'm sure that's got to be exciting for you because I, I told you this off air, but you let me have access to the videos prior to the launch, which I, I really appreciate being able to see that just so I can make fun of my friends that didn't have access. That's the main reason why I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, as, right. aside from that, when I got on your website and saw that everything was free, I was like, oh, okay, they're doing something different now. Like they're, they're, they're really trying to make an impact. And later on, I've got some questions that are kind of questions for this moment and, and we'll kind of get into that. But I guess to wrap up the, the wild at heart thing is it's, it's gotta be at least a little bit weird and, and a little bit humbling that people are still buying and responding to wild at heart. Right. I, I mean, we live in a world, John, where the morning's news is forgotten before lunchtime, right? Like everything yeah. just moves at a breakneck speed. And you've talked about that in some of your books, yeah. but a 20 plus year old book is still having this large impact. I mean, walk me through how you even feel about that. Well, it's a God story. I mean, that's all there is to it, that in this moment of cultural crisis, in this moment of gender crisis, God knew. And he, he teed it up. And, and the way he teed it up, like with the clients that I was working with at the time of writing the book, with all the things we were doing, raising boys, he set it up. And I think he set it up for now. Like it's it's been on this trajectory around the world, um, it's not seen a dip. Like the, 
and and the bottom the bottom line is is it works mm. like it heals it strengthens it provides fathering where guys didn't get that it works and so one guy tells another tells another tells another you know just fathers giving it to sons and guys you know just like in your group right yeah. one guy gives it to another and he reads it and he goes oh my gosh like my brother needs to hear this mm-hmm. and so yeah, it works. That's the why. Well, I told you this, I think in our last time that we, our last interview rather, that we reread that book at our foxhole group, right? And so a lot of us were kind of like, yeah, wild at heart. I mean, been there, done that. We've read it before. Most of us have read it multiple yeah. times. And then we reread it again. It's like, oh, okay. This stuff is super applicable even more so now because of some of the things going on culturally, which I don't want to get the cart before the horse here because I did want to do something a little bit new with you, if that's all right. So we have just recently started uh, taking donations to kind of grow what we're doing here with Undaunted Life. And we have monthly partners. We have people that have partnered with us to help us push back darkness. And so if you want a little bit more information on that, just go to undaunted.life backslash donate. But I asked some of our first donors, right? These people that were ready to go, they're like, Kyle, we're ready. We're, we're raising our hand. We're going with you. I asked them if they could ask John Eldridge one question, what would that one question be? So I got a, a lot of responses from these guys. So you cool with going over some of their questions? All right, here we go. Okay, so the first one is from a guy named Adam Smith. And so thank you very much, Adam Smith, for being a monthly partner with us. But here's his question. How do we respond to people in today's society who call us closed-minded bigots for believing that the Bible teaches that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. There is so much hatred in the world right now that as we stand our ground, as we try and explain to people that this is real You can see it in the science, you can see it in the brain, you can see it in psychology, you can see it in the patterns of of how you educate boys and girls. I mean, it's everywhere. We're we're not making this stuff up. You got to do it with grace, like be gracious. Um, The scripture says a gentle answer turns away wrath. And there is a truckload of wrath out there. So um, I would combine that with the idea that, that um, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I can tell when I'm in an interview or a conversation, you know, when I'm getting my hair cut or I'm down at the auto parts store, I can tell, is this guy, is this gal really open to hearing or are they just pushing back? Mm. And if they're open, right, you can go, well, it's actually pretty beautiful. Gender's got a lot of dignity to it from God. If they're not open to it, I would say, don't bother. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's pearls before gonna, swine at that point. It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. So I would just say something like, you know what? We're, we're just out here trying to help some guys that are curious with what we're doing. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I think when people hear, you're not trying to shove this down my throat, they go, oh. I, I mean, if, even if they're not interested. Yeah, so a gentle answer turns away wrath would be what I'd say. Well, so to that, just as a, as a quick follow-up, cause I don't want to take any time away from the other guys that want to get their questions in. So could sometimes the gentle answer just be no. I, I've talked to so many guys whose school districts are kind of bringing in LGBTQ books into their library for, you know, the elementary school oh, yeah. kids and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. perhaps the gentle, but forceful answer could be no. Could it not? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yep. Absolutely. But 
but again, like pick your fights, mm. pick your fights. There, there is, there, there are people who really are looking and they're, and they need some answers, especially like parenting boys, that kind of thing. They're looking for answers. And there's, still, there's a lot of people out there that just want an argument mm -hmm. and it's not worth your time. It's not worth your time. All right. Sounds good. We'll get to the next question here. And this one is from Greg Jarrett. So Greg, thank you for being a monthly partner with us. And this is his question. And it goes back to something you mentioned earlier, John, given the shift to work from home and virtual school, it feels as if our dependency on technology the past year has accelerated. If you could add a new chapter to your book, get your life back due to the events of the last year, what advice or guidance would you add? Well, <clears throat> okay. So a lot of us now are committed to it and you and I are right now. We are online getting our work done, right? Right. So I would say you've got to break it up. First off, break it up if you can. Like when I'm done with this interview, before I go on to the next thing, I'll literally just walk outside, chuck the ball to the dog, you know, and I, I literally like get my hands in the earth. I need to do that. Um, like reconnect with reality. Mm -hmm. So break it up if you can. Don't do these five, six, seven hour stints like in screen time. Second thing is now you know how much more important it is that when you are done, you're done. And, and so switch your entertainment, guys. Like if you're if you're on technology mm -hmm. all day for work, don't make technology your your downtime in the evening. You know, build something, model airplanes, you know, fix your chainsaw put in, you know, spark plugs in the lawnmower, like just do real stuff. And, and I'm going to throw a little, a little tidbit in here because I've been really struck by this. I was reading a study that was talking about the mental, again, the mental health effects of the pandemic and all that on us. And it was, it was talking about the human brain's need to achieve, achieve real goals. And so it, for guys, this is huge because we love to fix stuff. Mm. Honestly, fix stuff, fix the toaster, put a new light switch in, paint a room. Like, I'm serious. Like every week you got to be doing stuff that's real and where you're winning. You know, even if, even if it's, even if it's dumb stuff where you're like, put in a new light switch, I'm telling you, it's going to bring you joy because the masculine soul needs to do real stuff and feel like we're making progress. So now in the evening, you're going to switch to you know what? I'm going to actually go back down to the batting cages. I used to do that in high school. Yeah. I loved it. I haven't been there for years. I'm going back down. Like I'm just going to slug some balls so much better than, the, than, you know, technology all the way to bedtime. That's a great way of thinking about it because there are a lot of days, John, where I hit my, my head's about to hit the pillow and it's like, oh, this thing has been in my hand all day. And I say it's because I needed that, right? But I, I didn't need every last second of it. But yesterday when I was digging yeah. holes in my backyard to set traps to try and kill the stupid gopher that's putting mounds in my yard, that that was me getting in there and like being completely yes. unplugged. Before this interview, I was yeah. doing jujitsu. You can't have your phone out there. You can't live tweet a jujitsu session, right? Like <laughs> It's doing something tangible. And even if you get yeah. whooped and even if I don't catch the gopher, it's still doing something with my hand. So I certainly appreciate that sentiment. So the next question here is from a guy named Chris Zerzevi. So thank you, Chris Zerzevi, for partnering with us. And it's a really interesting question. This is it. If Jesus were to disciple men directly today, like he did with his disciples, what lessons do you feel would be the most prominent in Jesus's teachings for inciting change in the current state of our society? Oh man, 
<clears throat> that is a brilliant question. Um, I honestly, I I think he would start with rage. Meaning, what are you going to do with your rage? Uh, because there is so much wrong right now with the world, and there is so much falsehood. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you guys, you're in all this. You read the news, yeah. you see it, the censorship, all that. Like, again, in the masculine soul, and I think this is what really fried guys in the last year, is that we are so wired for the fight. Um, to make a difference, to bring good, to bring breakthrough, truth, healing, redemption, you know, healed marriages, great kids, all that. We're so wired for the fight that when we can't fight because it's just so out there, it's ethereal, it's Mm -hmm. in the hands of the media or the whatever, like there's a lot of anger that gets built up. I think Jesus would really help us say, look, you're in a super tough moment right now where a lot seems out of your control. Let's start with, let's start with anger and, and how to handle it well and, and disciple us in that. So it doesn't get the best of us um, because man, I could feel it this morning. I could feel it this morning that hatred wants to get inside us so that we answer with hatred. I could feel it, guys. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I, I was pissed, and and I could feel. I'm like, wait, hang on a second. Like there is an appropriate place for anger, but don't let the hatred in. Like don't don't let it into your heart because then they've won, then they've won, right? And and you're taken out that way. So I think he'd start with that, um, and then I think I think he would, honestly, here's where the battle's going to get won. It's going to get one in the neighborhood and it's going to get one in small groups of guys doing stuff together. Like um, my neighbor across the street is a great guy and I've built some rapport with him over the years. So over the pandemic, when he was totally locked down, I gave him wild at heart and I said, Hey, you're bored. You're looking for something mm-hmm. to do. Read this. And here's the cool story. He got back to me. It was about halfway through. He's like, Oh dude, we need to get on my porch. We need to light a fire in the fire pit. We need to have some beers. We need to talk about that. Yeah. And, and like, that's it. That's it. Man to man, life to life, neighborhood to neighborhood. This is where it's going to happen. Honestly, it's not going to happen in the media. That's not where the battle's going to get won. It's going to get won life to life. And, that, and the good news is that we got that. Like we, we can do that. Right. That is within our effective sphere of influence. We can do that. So I'd say small groups of guys doing cool stuff that invite other guys into it. Well, one of the things, John, that I think happened in 2020 as well is I think people for the first time learned the name of their mayor and their their city councilor and their sheriff. Yep. And it was because all these rights were potentially being taken away from them in their communities or their school board, which is five people and a three to two vote allowed some of this nonsense to happen. People are all of a sudden, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was worried about Trump's Twitter. 
right? I, I was worried about, you know, what, what Kamala Harris might, might do whenever she takes over and is no longer co-president, but is actually president. And then they realize it's like, wait a minute, there's stuff happening in my community that I had a vote. I could have actually changed yes. some people. I could have talked to some people in the neighborhood and maybe shifted 10, a dozen votes to, to a better way of, of doing things. And so I think that's been something for guys to kind of bring it down to the granular level, which is like, yep. Hey, as long as it's righteous indignation, that means you can use that anger to fuel you in a positive direction. But if it's just misguided, then we have an issue. Yep. Yep. Right on. The, the movement, the movement is always grassroots. Absolutely. All right. Next question here. And this one is from Reg Aldrich. So Reg, thank you so much for partnering with us. This is his question. It's a simple one. How do you effectively balance the personal pursuit of manhood with the development of your family? Yeah, right. Oh, gosh, this is every guy's deal here. And a lot of it depends on the age of your kids. Because mm -hmm. when you're in the when you're in the grade school, you're in the young, you know, the Lego years and the, you know, soccer and baseball and music and all that. Um, it's rough. And I have three sons and two of them are at that stage right now. They're 30, 32. They're, they're just in it. And so I would say it's the early morning run. It's the once a week, you know, at the dojo. It, it, you're going you're gonna to have to carve it out, recognizing it's not everything you want. Mm. And I want to say to those guys, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better. It really does. Because <clears throat> as your kids get a little bit older, a little more independence, they want to see their friends, their sleepovers, da-da-da-da-da, suddenly you're like, whoa. I just got a 30 Thursday night off. And then you grab it, you grab it for, for your, your soul. You grab it for what you're doing. You get out in the yard and shoot your bow. You, mm. you know, uh, get, get out and hit a bucket of balls or whatever. Um, kindness guys, kindness to yourself, because it's so frustrating that you can't get it all in. Um, and this isn't about getting it all in. It's finding the margins where you can get some life for your own soul. Well, I feel like that was the message I needed because I just told you I went to jujitsu. That might be the only class I get in this week. And it's just like, I'm getting worse. All these other people are getting better. But I also have to realize that guy that's getting better is 22 single and has a part-time job so he can live at the gym. That's the why he's getting better. So, you know, in this season of life, okay. All right. I'll have to chew yep. on that one a little bit more, uh, but I, something tells me you're probably right, but that's frustrating, but I appreciate it. All right. Last question that we have from one of our listeners, and this is from Ryan Horn. And this was his question. How can I, as a father, biblically raise my son to be a leader while living in a culture that is set on emasculation and the demonization of patriarchy? Yeah. So again, grassroots, <clears throat> first off that um, you want to either build or find the kind of community immediately around you, your immediate friends, the play groups, the other dads, their sons that are living in what you want, right? So that his initial experiences growing up, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's just, it's just a company of men who all believe this. And, and he understands, oh, this is the way we're wired. This, there's a lot of affirmation. Mm. There's great experiences. There's shared adventures. So, you know, you start with that circle of influence, the immediate. And if it's toxic there, oh, man, like you got to change that. 
and you may need to set some family boundaries and say, you know, I, I love, I love your uncle. I love your brother, you know, but we can't hang out with them every weekend. They are super toxic people. So you, you do have to create that initial circle of community support. And it's a couple of pals for him and a couple, it's not, it's not huge. This isn't hundreds of people, but in your immediate barbecue circle, your picnic circle, your hangout circle, right? These are people who, who know and love what you know and love, and they're affirming it in your son. And then you begin to give him, he's got to get stretched. Masculinity is all about getting stretched, mm -hmm. right? Like, so then it's, hey, this came up in class this week. I don't know how to answer this. Let's sit down and talk it through. What would be the best way? And it comes back to some of that stuff about a gentle answer turns away wrath. And that's kind of like showing him the power of self-control. Scripture says that the man who controls himself is greater than a warrior who wins an entire city. And so showing him those lessons of, I know that makes you mad. I know that's great. Let's figure out a really cunning way to answer that. And if the teacher is hostile, how do we disarm him or her? How do we become their friend? What if we invite your teacher over to dinner? Mm. But like showing him the brilliant way. So Jesus says, I want you to be as innocent as doves and shrewd as serpents. Like, guys, you've got to teach your kids that this is a world that requires cunning. Mm. And quite often that means the indirect approach. There was a whole book written on this uh, by that title, The Indirect Approach, about how you win wars, how you win arguments, how you win people. And, and it's very rarely kicking down the front door. People just don't respond to that well. Systems don't respond to that well. But you come in the side door, you know, you find out that your teacher, you know, she loves like gardening. And so, you know, for teacher's day or whatever, you know, you get her, you get her some plants or you, and she's like, wait, what? Like you actually care about me? Mm -hmm. You're not just interested in winning the fight and you're showing your son the brilliant way. You're like, how can we disarm this and win some influence here so that when you get up to give your book report, she's listening, right? And you get your chance to make your point. Absolutely. Um, I lied. There is one more question. And this is perhaps the most meaningful question that I got from any of our listeners, John, and it's this bourbon or scotch. <laughs> I mean, we need to oh, know, man. we need to know the answer to this. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all in the consumer. It's all in the taste buds. I am not a bourbon guy. I have friends who are, who love it. I just don't. And I you know what it actually, wow. I didn't even, I didn't even track this until this moment. So my dad was an alcoholic and his deal was bourbon. Mm. And so I just think the smell for me, like the certain aroma, I just think I just immediately like, nope, not, not interested there, but yeah. Okay. So while we're doing the interview, I just got on your website. I found the donate page and I clicked the hundred dollars, put my credit card in. I just donated to Undaunted Life. So I'm now a supporter. So do I get to ask a question? Well, I guess so. Those are the rules that I made up here <laughs> on the spot. But hey, hey, thank you, John Hilders, for being a donator to Undaunted Life. So go ahead, right. fire away. Here's my question. Right. My question is, what are you going to do for joy this summer? 
What's the family plan for joy? So that is actually a fantastic question because, and I know you're doing that on purpose because I don't consider myself a joyful person or someone that searches for joy, but this is something I'm honestly excited about. My son's turning one years old, May 7th, and he's been very sick for, for a long time. He was just at the doctor again today. Uh, can't get his, his ears figured out, fluid, you know, fevers, all kinds of crazy stuff. But assuming we can get all that under control, the thing I'm most excited about is doing the things during the summer that I don't normally do myself, but I want to do with my son. So I'm a ginger for those of you that are not that are aren't watching this or you know listening to it. So I don't like the sun that much. So I will mow the lawn in a hoodie. I don't even care. But I'm gonna go to the pool with my boy and and we're going to hang yeah, out man. at the pool and he's going to wear a tank top and he's going to show off the guns for the ladies and it's going to be great and we're going to have a good time and he should be walking maybe around that summer and so for me I look back on my father and even with all of his faults and all of his shortcomings most of which he would admit himself the thing that he always was for me was present he was there not only was he at mm. every game John he was at every practice right? He sacrificed so that he could watch his boy do whatever his boy wanted to do. And so I want to kind of start that even this summer, you know, he doesn't exactly remember. I'm not able to kind of, Hey, read the communist manifesto and let's talk about it next week. Like I can't have those types of theoretical conversations, but for me in my house, we intend to have a very joyful summer outdoors. Right on. You know what guys listening to this, the, one of the best investments you can make is that $15 plastic <laughs> kitty pool. Yep. Right, I'm telling you guys, you get a lawn chair, you you put your feet in the kiddie pool, you let the kids hang out in it. It's joy, like like just goofing off. Like, yeah, that's a good plan. Kyle. It's funny you what bring you that think? up because my wife yesterday was like, because it's cold right now in Oklahoma, it's like forty something degrees. But she's like, hey, we need to go get one of those little kiddie pools and just toss it in the backyard. So when we're not at the big pool, we can just sit there and literally do what you just said. So that is very interesting. But hey, again, thank you very much uh, for supporting us. And hey, if you want to throw in another hundred bucks, I could probably take another question. You know, I'm open. Give me another question. Yeah, you know, it's just, next, next. Okay, time. I'll let you think through it. All right, so I want to kind of, I want to kind of shift through. And so this is this is kind of getting into the world of the ethereal you brought that up a little bit earlier but you're you're someone that is very very much so in tune with prayer and god giving you words or giving you phrases and then you will kind of sit on those and meditate on those that doesn't happen for me as often but i feel like it hit me between the eyeballs yesterday and so i'm just going to throw this out there i don't even have a question prepared i'm going to throw out what i think god was telling me while i was preparing for this interview i feel like god put this short thought on my heart and it's that this there is a reckoning for manhood on the horizon. And the emphasis in my brain was reckoning, right? You know, manhood on the horizon that, that shows that it's imminent and all that. But hearing me say that there is a reckoning for manhood on the horizon. What does that bring up in you? Um, quite a bit, actually. So, um, Let's chase a couple threads mm. of that. Um, the first one is courage. The, the amount of fear that has swept through the world, and we talked about this, you know, that was out for a hike in the woods. I am in the woods, and here comes a hiker with a mask on. And I, 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 it was a young woman. She was in great shape. Mm -hmm. She was, she was, you know, beating me. And, and I just felt so bad for her. 
I didn't want to shame her. I didn't want to blame her. I didn't want to start an argument with her. I just felt so bad for the fear that has gripped her. Fear has really swept the world. And I think part of the reckoning is, is the courage that is, that is required of men in a world that is going sideways. And so connected with that is the courage to believe, the courage to believe. <clears throat> Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, immovable, steadfast and immovable. That's such a masculine thing to be a rock, to be a rock for your family, to be a rock for your friends, for your community in a world that's going nuts. <clears throat> so those are a couple threads. The, the other thread that comes to mind, Kyle, is your character. Um, guys, this is no time to dink around with your character. I know too many stories. And, and we, sit, we sit in a position where we get a lot of these stories because we're connected to kind of like the men's movement around the world. But, man, good men blowing up, right? Blowing up the marriage, divorce, having an affair, blowing up online, like blowing their lives up. And, and <clears throat> if there is a reckoning coming, I will guarantee you that your character will be tested. And, and your, your character is what will see you through. And so don't think around with your character. Like, honestly, humility, integrity, holiness, love, like you can't compromise on those things. Right. I, something that came to mind when you said that, John, is I go all the way back to a podcast episode I did after the country of Ireland legalized abortion. And the the big through point as to why that was able to happen was because the Catholic Church had completely lost its place in the country of Ireland to where most people are like, oh, wait a minute, y'all were the ones that were raping boys and then just moving the people around so no one would get caught. Yeah, up yours. I'm not going to listen to you about what I should do in terms of voting for abortion. The same thing for us as men, if we're going to be pushing back on darkness culturally, spiritually, you know, whatever, then we, we have to make sure our house is in order. Because if someone can yep. easily take out our knees, because we live in a post-truth culture. So a lot of times you're like, well, what I'm saying is true. That doesn't matter anymore to a lot of people, right? It, it matters mm -hmm. what fits their narrative. And so with that in mind, we've got to be able to push back and understand that what's undergirding what we're saying is truthful, while at the same time recognizing that we're not perfect and we have to be covered by the blood of Christ. And that, that actually dovetails nicely into kind of what I wanted to ask you next. And this could go a million different directions and we could have spent the entire time today just talking about this. But I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the quote unquote woke church movement. So critical theory, uh, specifically critical race theory seems to be working its way into a lot of denominations, into a lot of congregations individually. Uh, there are a lot of well-meaning Christians that don't know what to do with that. They haven't read, you know, uh, white fragility. They haven't read Ibram X Kennedy. They haven't read any of these people. They haven't read any of the counter arguments from, from a Vody Bauckham or from a John MacArthur or something like that. And so what are your thoughts in terms of how that's, what that's going to potentially do to the American church and maybe the church writ large and what we could as men do to affect that. 
So this is a three-part podcast, right? You, you understand that these questions are so huge. This is all part of my plan, John. I just want you to keep coming back because we weren't able to solve all the problems. So <laughs> that's certainly part of the plan. So it depends on who you're talking to is the answer. It, it, um, first off, you cannot, you cannot come across as being um, opposed to justice. Now, I know you're not. Mm -hmm. I know you're not, guys. I know you're not. But you got to understand that out there right now, there is a hair trigger that, that if you seem in any way opposed to the pursuit of justice, um, there's actually something really evil at work in the world right now. And I'm just trying to figure out how to put all this into an answer. What the world is trying to do is arrange for the kingdom without the king. They want the kingdom without the king. They want all of the justice and equality and reparations that the kingdom of God actually brings Right. I mean, we will love one another, every tribe, tongue and nation. Like God's got this fabulous racial theory. Right. Like we are his sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. Like um, what they want is the kingdom without the king. And when you start insisting on that, the, the end result is a sacrificial system. Somebody gets thrown under the bus and it will probably be conservatives. <clears throat> so you've got to be really aware that this is operating in the world right now so that you, one, who are you talking to? Like, is this your rector? Is this your priest? Is this the deacons, the elders, your pastor? Are they open? Are they open to a conversation and say, hey, how do we do race right? Like, there are wrongs to be righted. And, and, and part of the hatred spiritually that I think is in the U.S. right now, I think it goes back to the Civil War. Um, because when you have that kind of thing in a nation's history, it gets in the soil, it gets in the soul. It get, Like when you have that kind of hatred. Um, so, so you see like, whoa, who am I talking to here? Are they open? Mm to thinking about how do, how do we do race right? How, how do we say, yep, yep, we hear you. So sometimes people just need to know you hear them. We hear you, we get it, yes. If they are not open to the conversation, I think what you have to demonstrate is humility and love and say, you know what, um, pastor, um, Father, we don't agree, but I love you, and and, and I'm not I'm not mad at you. Um, I think there's a better way to go about this, but uh, I'm not going to force my agenda on you. you. You see this, guys? Like we are walking a really difficult path ahead, and so a big part of it is: do they have ears to hear? Who you're talking to, and 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 what are you trying to change? What are you trying to? secure in this moment because if you listen to let me let me just give you an example if you listen to the wild at heart podcast um we 
we never make political statements. Why? Because in this hour, the moment that you do that, you are primarily speaking to your own, uh, the people that agree with you. And, and if you want to speak to the people that don't agree with you, you, you got to keep their ear and, and, and win over through your actions, through your love, through your involvement in the community, et cetera. You, you got to win the right to be heard, you know? And, and so, because we have this global platform, that's our choice in that. Um, but, but it's not, it's not out of fear. It's out of cunning. And, and then as people write into us and ask us questions, then one-on-one, -on -one we can answer them. And they write in, let me tell you, they write in, they ask us. And then on a personal level, we can say, hey, I'm really glad you asked. Let me, let me share some thoughts on that. Does that make sense? It absolutely It's an does. hour that requires a lot of cunning, a lot of cunning. Now, the reason why that makes sense is because I think most people, they walk into an, to a conversation. They're expecting an argument, first of all, and because they're expecting an argument, they've got their talking points. And so they're approaching an a, a conversation like they would a five minute quick hit on a, you know, 7 p.m. at night news station show or something like that on Fox or MSNBC. And they're not approaching it like yep. a long form conversation. And even if the long form yep. conversation doesn't happen in that moment, it could happen over a multitude of moments over days, yep. weeks, months, years, like, you know, we, we don't really know what that looks like. Yep. You might just be planting yep. the seed of this conversation saying, Hey, I'm listening to there you. you I want to hear your point of view. I get the strong sense that we're going to disagree, but I want to come to some vague, you know, standard of understanding. And I don't know that most guys do that. And it's because they don't have tact. Yep. And, you know, I've, yes, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I've encouraged guys to read Greg Kokel's book called Tactics because he takes a very tactful approach on how to do apologetics. And the thing is, is sometimes you could run afoul if you're having all these apologetic arguments as coming off as like, oh, I know everything. And oh, you're just a lowly peasant who hasn't read as many books as I have. Let me just, re you know, read to you Thomas Aquinas. It's like, no, 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 that's not going to really get to the heart of the issue you think it's going to, and you're going to walk away thinking I made the superior argument, but you're going to leave having not changed a mind. Guys, I used to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I was that guy and I was loaded for bear, man. Um, okay. So let me, let me give you an anecdote. So my son's 15 years old. And we're in the full tilt adolescent teenage confrontational years. And he does something that totally flips my lid. And I'm going downstairs. He sleeps in the, he slept in the basement, his bedroom's in the basement. I'm going downstairs and I'm fried. And the thing is, guys, like I'm brilliant at arguing. I can, I, I'll, I'm something with a 15 year old, yeah. I can win this in seven seconds. Okay, I'm walking downstairs and thank God. I'm literally on my, I'm midway on the stairs and I, I breathe up a quick prayer. And I said, Jesus, what's the goal? And he said, keep communication open. I'm like, right, 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 right. If I go down right now and lower the boom, the conversation's over. That the goal is to keep the conversation open. That's, that's it. So I think even the wisdom there, John, can just be, hey, guys, take a second to pause because it's going to take you a few seconds to get to the bedroom uh, bedroom doorknob. So take a few seconds to pause and see if uh, you're hearing something from God. Uh, a couple more questions for yep. you. This one, you can just kind of give us a, a brief answer. But you've clearly inspired a lot of people, including yours truly, with your writing. 
And so my question to you is who's writing inspires you? Oh, um, I love C.S. Lewis. Mm. He's, he's like one of my all time greats <clears throat> because he's brilliant at it. Right. He, he, all of this, the tact, yep. right. All of it. Um, GK Chesterton for the same reasons they were brilliant, but they were cunning. They were so winsome in their argumentation that, that you may know the famous story of the London times in Chesterton's era, the London times invited the readers to send in their thoughts on what is wrong with the world. Remember this story? Chesterton writes in, Chesterton writes in, dear editor, what is wrong with the world is me. And it just so threw, like he could, he could have shredded, he could have ripped so many brilliant arguments, but he pointed it to human nature. Mm -hmm. And he said, what's wrong with the world is human nature. And it's in all of us. What's wrong with the world is sin. And it's in all, anyway, they were great. Those two guys uh, come to mind. Dallas Willard's been a huge influence. I start looking at my, looking at my shelf here. Yeah. That's it for now. Well, hey, there, that's that's a great list. And guys, that's why we put together our 100 books every modern Christian man should read list on our website. C.S. Lewis is the only author with his own section. Typically, the sections are parenting or money or Christianity. There's wait, a, wait, wait, wait. I don't have my hey own now, section on hey there. Hey now. I gave 100 I understand bucks. that. I understand that. Okay. We can have a discussion off air and we can talk about you having your own section. But while this heart is on there and it is also bolded and highlighted, which indicates that it's one of my top 10 favorite books. So can we at least, you know, kind of take the pressure off a little bit? Okay, fine. Well, we're going to wrap up with this question here because I I heard this quote here recently. And so I was like, okay, I got to get John's uh, input on it. Obviously, you're, you're aware of who Jordan Peterson is. You've talked about how a lot of guys have been fathered by some of the things that, that you've written, right? But you're pointing them to the father. Jordan Peterson has kind of been a father to multitudes of boys that don't have it or don't have that strong male influence. But he had a very poignant thing that he said in an interview, and it was this. A harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very, very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. What are your thoughts on that quote? Yep. I'm going to make you give me a little bit more than that. You got to give me a little bit more because <laughs> I agree with you, up, but give me some more. <clears throat> um, th- this is what the world doesn't understand. You see, and again, you've got to, you've got to grasp where the world's coming from. Our prisons are not filled with young women. Okay. They're not, they're filled with men. Young women don't commit the majority of violent crimes in the world. Young women do not commit the majority of terrorist acts. So you have to, the world looks at masculinity and goes, masculinity is dangerous. We got to get rid of it. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Medicine is dangerous. But you don't get rid of it. You put it in the hands of people who know how to handle it, right? Education is dangerous. You don't get rid of it. You put it in the hands of people who know how to handle it. The same thing with masculinity, right? To to have the kind of strength that allows you to rescue your family from a burning building requires a, a level of risk and daring and and fortitude that is so core to masculinity, but that same man has got to keep that under wraps when he's disciplining his children, right? And so, yeah, 
Peterson's right on that. I agree. It's a great quote. And we've gone everywhere in this conversation. This has been fantastic. It's definitely different than the first time yeah. we chatted, but we went a lot of great places. And hey, I gained a new donor out of the deal. So that, that worked out pretty yeah, well. You did. But hey, that's all for me for now. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? No, no. Great to talk to you guys. Uh, WildAtHeart.org, the Wild at Heart experience. It's free, six-week journey. It'll really strengthen your hearts. It really will. We will certainly make sure that that link is in the bio notes. So John Eldridge, thanks for coming back on Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Thanks, pal. Great to talk to you again. There you go, guys. I certainly hope you enjoyed my second conversation with John Eldridge as much as I did. Guys, I'm just telling you, it was a mind-blowing conversation. And really, he mentioned it a couple of times there, but it's like, this could be a multi-part thing. Just some of those things we were talking about, especially kind of the wokeness in the church or kind of what to do with, you know, people wanting to emasculate young boys and and the patriarchy and LGBTQ issues. There's certainly going to be more conversations in the future. And we're certainly going to keep talking about here on this podcast. And I'm sure all the guys over there at Wild at Heart will do that as well. But before we let you guys go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness. And specifically, we help you do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So today's resource for you is a big resource, and it's just one. It's the Wild at Heart website. So if you go to wildatheart.org, and again, that's going to be here in the show notes, you can check out the Wild at Heart experience. You can check out the t- the captivating experience, which is the experience with Stacy, his wife, and that's uh, more for the ladies. And so you can give that to your wives or to people at your church. So you can definitely check out all of that there. Also, you can link through there, go through there to go to Amazon on to buy his books and check out all the other stuff they have going on over there, including the podcast, blogs, everything else. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you want me to come speak at your live event or on your podcast, all you got to do is shoot me an email, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. Check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming. Hey, guys, John became a donator right in the middle of this episode, so if he can do it, you can do that as well. Just go to www.undaunted.life, and if you want to donate, just add a backslash donate to there. We also want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>